The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 325, powered by Rageworks. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347. <laughs> nice. 347 3541. Again, that caller number 347 324 3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show where I give my take on video games, entertainment, wrestling, and MMA. Our MMA and wrestling shows air every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, and you can watch them at mtrlive.com. Our gaming and entertainment editions air every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. In order to enjoy tonight's show, there are a couple of ways you can watch it and listen live as well as participate. First and foremost, you can go to mtrlive.com where we have a full video stream, high-quality audio provided by Mixler, and a chat which is in progress in addition to that you can also listen via the mixler app just download it for your android or ios device punch in my take radio and you can listen live that way you can also use our call in number not hit option one and listen to the show that way as well archived episodes of the show are available on itunes stitcher and TuneIn radio for audio formats and video is available on our two youtube channels my take radio tv and official RageWorks. We're also starting to put the episodes on Daily Motion as well. You can just look for RageWorks on Daily Motion. For those of you that are watching the video feed, we are simulcasting on Vaughn Live, StreamUp, Restream, and Twitch. For those of you watching on Twitch, you can watch via the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, or you can watch on your computer as well. But as always, I recommend everybody go to mtrlive.com just to participate in the live show chat and you can still watch the video stream that way as well all right so a couple of things some housekeeping i want to get out of the way before we get into tonight's show first and foremost if you guys saw my update earlier today well earlier this evening i should say um tonight's episode of my take radio is the last one but not in the way that you think uh we will not be sunsetting the show just yet i'm just going to be taking some time off if you didn't tune into last night's mma and wrestling show then 
this is news to you, but for those of you that did tune in last night, you are well aware that tonight's show uh, will be the last one for a couple of weeks. Just going to take a break, and, um, you know, it is what it is. And um, we'll be back in December, like I said last night, and I'll just reiterate it for those that did not tune into last night's show. Just taking some time off to focus on building Rageworks and giving you guys some really, really cool stuff. And a little burned out, just a smidge. But um, aside from that, it is not the end of the show. Don't think that that is the case. Just a break for the remainder of November. We will be back in December to do some some shows, but they're only probably going to be four shows for the month, only because, obviously, with the holidays and everything else, we will be taking a holiday break as well. But nonetheless, during that time, even though there will not be live shows every week, I recommend you guys check out our other shows, Black is the New Black, uh, the regular season sportscast, and the Buried Show, which are all uploaded to our iTunes feed. Just punch in My Take Radio, and we got all the episodes there for that. That is going to be changing in the next few weeks. You'll, you'll definitely see an announcement about that for sure. Uh, but definitely check out our shows there. Also go to RageWorks.net and you can find all of our shows, both in audio and video format, on the site. But, like I said, aside from those shows, I'll still be putting out content, uh, audio and video, just not on a live basis and definitely not uh, my take radio programming. But be on the lookout for some other stuff just because, obviously, I can't shut off completely, but there will be content in some capacity, that's for sure. All right, so we're going to go through this week's gaming news. We got a fair amount of entertainment news. As always, we will take your calls, 347-324-3541. Before I jump into the gaming segment, uh, many of you saw my post on RageWorks.net about Seth Rollins' injury. Uh, Really fucked up, really foul. Um, I mentioned that earlier. And uh, definitely throws a monkey wrench in things. Uh, with regards to WWE's booking, a little bummed out that I couldn't discuss it in detail during last night's show. But unfortunately, and I know Lucha Lee is a witness to this, uh, we only had some some brief, uh, a, sh- uh, a very, very thin amount of information with regards to the capacity of his injury and, and how bad it was. Obviously, everything came out today and we found out that it was a lot worse than we had thought but nonetheless uh, speedy recovery to Seth Rollins uh, definitely going to be sharing my thoughts on the site with regards to potential opponents for the Survivor Series tournament and which guys I'd like to see step up and take advantage of this situation because unfortunately that's what has to happen when these guys get injured somebody's got to step up and take full-on advantage Uh, like I said I'll be putting out a piece on the site about that so be on the lookout for that on RageWorks.net. All right, let's get into this week's gaming. Lots to discuss, including what's going on with Activision and what Candy Crush has to do with it. Let's get to it. Well, by by this time, you guys are have probably seen or heard about this bit of news in some capacity. But I did want to talk about it a little bit. Activision purchased uh, King Digital Entertainment. Of course, everybody automatically assumed that it was just Activision buying Candy Crush, which was purchased to the tune of $5.9 billion. Um, very, very crazy stuff. And, of course, the 
acquisition needs to be acquired, needs to be reviewed and approved by King Digital's shareholders, but I definitely do not see that being a problem. Now, the reason I want to talk about this um, more than just the fact that it's uh, an incredible, incredible purchase, and of course the amount of money that was involved, is the fact that people don't realize that the gaming, that gaming from a mobile standpoint is no longer just you know, Angry Birds or Plants vs. Zombies. The hardware is becoming better. The technology is improving at a rapid pace. And because of that, a new niche is being carved out with not only very, very good games, but very good games that can lure people in under the guise of being free, but end up having some sort of payment down the road. And the reason I want to discuss this is because I'm playing right now uh, Marvel's Puzzle Quest, which, again, if you've played Candy Crush or any of these other games, Marvel's Puzzle Quest falls into the same category. And I started playing the game innocently enough, you know, every every during my downtime or uh, on the occasional extended bathroom trip and um, on mass transit and in any appointments, and I realized I really enjoyed the game. I loved how simple it was, how easy it was to just pick up and play and not being tied to anything, just pop in, play a game, hop off and keep it moving. Not that there's not something like that, obviously with the 3DS or the PlayStation Vita, for those of you that actually have that paperweight. But the fact is that mobile gaming is its own niche because it's something that's easily accessible, easily consumed. And the cost of development is marginal, depending on the um, how deep you want the game to go. Uh, when the Kardashians, when Kim Kardashian is putting out a mobile game, and it's not in the top ten or the top five, whether on iOS or Android, this goes to show you how crazy shit is. Um, Angry Birds, another one. Angry Birds is another game that just took over. Everyone was playing it. It became a pop culture phenomenon to the point where you can actually walk into a Dave and Buster's and they have arcade cabinets with Angry Birds. Even though, obviously, the game has been repurposed for an arcade machine, but the fact is that you've taken something so innocent as a mobile game and turned it into something that people are spending their hard-earned money on to get some fucking tickets. You know, like Slick just said, Angry Birds Star Wars, uh, the Candy Crush phenomenon, even going back to the Facebook games with Farmville and all, and Yoville and all that garbage, There's there was a niche that was carved out at the time. And like I said during last week's show and the week prior, with Nintendo, when they, when they announced that they were jumping into the mobile space, I said... This is a prime opportunity for a five-star company to position themselves as the leaders and to take mobile gaming forward. The problem is that mobile gaming, for as as vast as it is, is littered with so many freemium and bait-and-switch games that the only games that truly rise to the top are those that are either extremely well done or just games that are so easily accessible by everyone outside of the gaming community 
that they take a life of their own. Um, a great example, Cut the Rope. You look at the game Cut the Rope and you're basically seeing, you know, cut this piece of candy, feed this dinosaur, you're done. And each level, there's progressively more and more challenges to get the piece of candy in the dinosaur's mouth. You you hear that without seeing it, and you say to yourself, this sounds like the fucking stupidest game ever. Needless to say, you walk into your local Toys R Us or Target, and there are cut-the-rope plush dolls, cut-the-rope, the board game, uh, different different incarnations of the character from cut-the-rope for children to purchase. Same thing can be said with Angry Birds. Same can be said with Temple Run or any of these other games. They've they've grown into such a niche market that the money is really there. You know, it's here here's a good example. Candy Crush is a game that people are probably sick of at this point. But if you go back to your Facebook timeline, maybe a year ago, maybe a year and a half, and all you see are, hey, I need lives, or hey, I need this, or hey, I'm on this level, or hey, you know, I need help. <laughs> maybe in Slick's case, maybe yesterday. But the fact is that there, there's still a market for that. And Activision, I do feel they paid a lot for this company. But I have a feeling that Activision is going to leverage this IP to really get a strong foothold in the mobile gaming community. And the thing is, other companies are following suit. When I went to meet with EA a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, they had Need for Speed Mobile, and it was free. Obviously, well, it was freemium, which obviously free up until a point, and then you got to start laying out some money. And graphically, it looked pretty, pretty fucking solid. It looked really good. And the thing about it is, yeah, Need for Speed, you you'd expect it to look good. But it's running on a mobile phone and a tablet, and the experience is exactly the same. There's no degradation in experience from one platform to the next. And I think that that's one of the big issues with mobile gaming and how more and more publishers are going to start looking at that as a way to offer not only premium content but also ancillary content for their existing games. I mean, you look at 2K... They have, well, they haven't released it yet, which I can't understand what the holdup is, but the WWE Creation Suite was being released on iOS and Android. And basically, it was a game where you take a selfie and you upload it to the WWE 2K16 servers, and you are able to use your actual face on whatever created character you create for the game. This is something that was also implemented in NBA 2K16. Now, obviously, the the experience is hit or miss, but aside from being able to upload your face, you're also able to upload logos and designs using the app. So think about it. You're in a store. You're in a local store. You see a T-shirt that you like. You say, damn, I'd, I'd wish, I wish my creative character could wear this T-shirt in the game. Snap a picture of the design and boom, right up there, right on the server. It just adds a different level of customization and, again, just creates a, a synergy between your home console and your mobile device. Now, again, that's a, that's a very bare-bones application, but I have a feeling as the months, uh, as the months pass, we're going to start seeing more and more integration like this 
into these games. I mean, we've seen it to a degree with games like Injustice and some of the other games that have had mobile counterparts where you can utilize that to increase stats or add other characters or level up certain characters. It's definitely there. With regards to what EA is going to do, I mean, EA, excuse me, what Activision is going to do with the with the Candy Crush franchise, among others, uh, remains to be seen. But I have a feeling that it's not just about Candy Crush and it's about getting their hands and acquiring the talent that that company had. Again, $5.9 billion is a huge amount of money for a mobile game developer. But this also gives hope to many of us out there that are possibly contemplating a mobile game and or have an idea for a mobile game. The entry into the mobile gaming space is becoming easier. It's easier to code. It's easier to do stuff. Again, and even if you have a, an idea and you can't flesh it out, you partner up with a developer, uh, you partner up with, with, a, with a designer, and you can create your own game. Like I said, when, when, a, when one of the top-selling games is a Kim Kardashian game on iOS and Android. What does that tell you? Again, not 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 the most not the most per, not the most perfect example, but the fact is that no one in a million years would have thought that that game would have gained any traction whatsoever, but it did. And this is what I'm saying, there's there's a there's a different look when it comes to mobile and even apps, even apps for that matter. Many of us, the minute we see an app that is a dollar or more, we don't always, we don't buy it because there has to be something free out there. But being, being somebody who runs a business, who's trying to run a business, I, I understand and I've paid for quite a few apps, especially if they fulfill a need or, or they provide a service that's necessary. I mean, I purchased an app called iSyncer, which I use on my Android device to sync with iTunes because I got rid of, you know, iPods, iPhones. I don't have any iOS devices that I personally own anymore. My wife obviously uses an iPad and an iPhone and all that stuff, but I, I rely primarily on Android and, win, and Windows for most of my stuff. And because of that, you know, I still use iTunes because they still have a good podcast interface and it's very easy to just subscribe to all the shows and because of that, I'm able to go and leverage it and get my, my podcast with minimal issue, sync my playlists. And yeah, the app was whatever, $2.99 or $3. And I said to myself, is this app really worth 3 bucks?" And then I thought about it in the grand scheme of things. And I said, am I really going to sit there and, and plug in my phone via USB and drag each track that I want to listen to or each MP3 from every, sh- from every podcast I want to listen to, no. I need something that I can just turn on my Wi-Fi, hit the app, and it automatically syncs. And it does that. And yeah, you know, it was whatever, three bucks or four bucks at the time, but it fulfilled a need and it made something easier for me in my day-to-day life. And because of that, you know, the the, the market for, for apps that you got to pay for, it's it's always questionable which leads me to something else that I swore I would never do. And it's pe- it's spend money on a mobile game. As I mentioned before, I've been playing Marvel's Puzzle Quest. And one of the things that you do is you create a team of heroes and you level them up and you use different heroes for different things. 
and you get whatever, four slots, five slots, and as you progress through the game, you earn gold, and you earn something called ISO 8. ISO 8 allows you to get certain power-ups, special jewels, um, certain characters, etc., but if you want to increase the number of slots for your team, you got to get gold coins, and the thing is, you don't win them on a consistent basis in the game, and because of that, I got annoyed, and I said to myself, damn, you know, I really would like to have a, a, a at least 10 or 12 heroes on my team, just so I can pick and choose who I want to use, so I clicked it, and it said, yeah, you know, 500 pieces of gold for five bucks, I said, all right, 100 pieces for a dollar, basically, I'm like, do I really want to do it, am I really going to keep playing this game? And I realized that I was really playing the game often and I was leveling up quite a bit, but I wanted other characters, you know, level a level 75 blade or a level 100 Spider-Man or, you know, level 75 Thor. And I'm like, shit, you know, do I really want to part with these five bucks? And I, and I thought about it and deliberated and deliberated and I dropped five bucks on the fucking game like an asshole. Uh, nonetheless, I increased the number of slots, of course. Now I got other other characters, and I'm enjoying the game a little more, playing it a lot longer. It was a minimal investment. I said to myself, I think I have enough characters here that I can trade or sell them and get characters that have higher capabilities, and I only spent five bucks. If the game would have been five bucks out of the gate, I probably still would have bought the game because I enjoyed it. Now, I know that the game was recently released for consoles. Don't know how much it costs yet, but I said to myself, I wish I could actually carry over the characters from mobile to the console version. So I'm going to research that and see what the deal is. Because like I said, I enjoy the game. It's a, it's a brief escape. It's not as involved as some of the other stuff I'm playing. So I figured I would um, you know, make the investment. And again, you know, the money goes to the developers, helps them make, create better games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean... Come on, everybody was fucking playing Flappy Bird for the longest, which is the most simplistic game ever. And the developer made a shitload of money from advertising. Just saying. If you guys have that creative spark and you guys want to try and put out a mobile game, partner up with somebody, look up look up, you know, programmers and developers if you got an idea and see if you could bring it to life. I think that there's definitely a viable market out there and um you know, I I you know, I me personally do it is there ever going to be like an MTR mobile game? No, but never say never, you know, They're definitely not something that I've ever considered. But if somebody came and said, hey, we got a cool idea, you want to try it? I'd be game, you know, I'd put myself in there, even if it was in a, in a um, you know, even if you had to throw pies at Rich <laughs> for a dollar or whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, yes, you're, you're throwing pies at me, but I'm sitting there collecting some fucking money from advertising just saying anyway uh definitely happy to for you know the people from king and from king digital uh they have a a very decent sized staff and i'm sure that the buyout they're probably going to get paid off in stock options and a lot of those guys are going to walk away from the table with a lot of money so if we hear anything else or we get any more information about the acquisition as well as anything that's going to be done by activision of course I will share that with you guys. All right, switching gears and jumping into the console side of things. Many of you know that I recently reviewed Transformers Devastation for the Xbox One. Uh, The review for that can be found on RageWorks.net. 
And of course, if you subscribed on YouTube, you'll see all the fucking videos that I had that I cranked out for that game. Uh, we are scheduled to interview one of the developers for the game, and hopefully, we'll be able to do that when we come back on air in December, if not sooner. But nonetheless, uh, you guys can check out my my thoughts on the review, uh, you know, on RageWorks.net. And I will say, which I was shocked when I read it, that they that they are going to be releasing DLC for this game. Now, the reason this trips me out isn't because the DLC is anything of substance, but it was just because it was something that came and went so quickly that I said to myself, unless the DLC is going to let you play as Decepticons or other characters, it really is a non-factor. Well, the announcement that came out now is that they are adding a couple of characters and weapons to the game First thing I got to tell you guys is that these are not new characters. They are essentially palette swaps or slight design tweaks. But um, the really cool shit, I think, was just some of the weapons that were added. Uh, they added Nemesis Prime as well as the Dark Star Saber. Obviously, Nemesis Prime is a reskin of Optimus. Uh, they also added Red Alert, who has the Photon Disruptor weapon. And also they added Goldfire who is a reskin of Bumblebee that gets a whole bunch of new weapons as well. In addition to that, as I said, you get the Golden Hunter weapon, the Photon Disruptor, and the Dark Star Saber, which, of course, can not only be used by those characters, but can be used by the initial characters in the game as well. The DLC is scheduled to hit the PlayStation Store on November 10th. I'm sure that the Xbox One version will follow shortly after. Again, not... not, not against the dlc at all i think it's it's cool but you know if, if if people are really into it they'll pick it up but i like i said before and i said it in my review i would have liked to have played the campaign as the decepticons to some to some extent just because it would have added a different dynamic like i said that was something that we saw in the fall of cybertron in the in the fall of cybertron and war for cybertron games that you were able to play as the decepticons in one portion of the game or another. I wish they could have done that, and that's going to be one of the things I discuss with the developers when I get them on the show. Now, again, Transformers Devastation was a fun game from a nostalgic standpoint, but it's not for everyone. Again, if you want the full details, check out my review on RageWorks.net. Another very cool announcement, and I actually got to see this game recently, is the uh, the Pokken Tournament which is a Pokemon fighting game that was recently released in arcades, saw a brand new addition to the game. That is a new mega evolution for Mewtwo. Now, of course, many of you know that Mewtwo is in the game, but now he has a brand new evolution, which transform which transforms Mewtwo into Shadow Mewtwo. Now, the thing is that Pokemon Tournament is available for play in Japanese arcades, but... If you are a New York resident and want to check the game out, you can play it at the Dave and Busters in Times Square. I'm actually going to be in the city next week, and I may wander into Dave and Busters to check the game out. So, if you're out in in New York City and are a Pokemon fan or even a fighting game fan and you want to get some some hands-on with the game, head over to Dave and Busters in Times Square, and you'll be able to check out Pokemon Tournament there again 
Otherwise, you're going to have to wait for a release here in the States. Or if you're in Japan, you're obviously going to head to your local Japanese arcade and enjoy the game that way. But I, I do gotta, I do have to admit that the evolution that they did for Mewtwo was very cool. I like the design. Mewtwo is actually one of the Pokemon characters that is definitely in my top five in terms of favorites. Uh, Gengar is probably number one. Um, Pikachu, of course. Charizard and uh, Mewtwo as well, just because his design was really cool. And um, he was probably one of the first Pokemon action figures that I purchased for my brother, who was a big collector at the time. So uh, definitely uh, a character that I've, who I've always I've appreciated. So definitely going to try and get in there and play the game. Maybe I'll Periscope it. You can follow us on Periscope, Rage underscore Works. Or I'm going to try and at least get some screenshots in some capacity and share them via social media as well. If you guys tuned in two weeks ago, you remember that Slick and I had a very, very lengthy conversation about the Xbox Elite wireless controller. And the fact that a controller that is $149 is really a tough sell. Well... Microsoft is sitting back and laughing at the two of us because besides the fact that people have been buying it, the thing is that they have actually been selling out of controllers to the point where Microsoft said that it is in very, very high demand, but that there will be enough of them to sell during the holiday season. How convenient. Now, again, a $149 controller is a very, very tough pill to swallow. For any gamer. Now, obviously, if you got the dispensable income, by all means, feel free to spend that $149 any way you wish. But I feel that a controller, a controller like that, that is meant to enhance the the playability of your console should be within a price range that is a little bit more realistic. I mean, much like Slick and I have said on numerous episodes. These are all ways to test the water. We're going to put out this this DLC for $60 and see how many people bite. And then 500, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people bite. And before you know it, $50 DLC becomes commonplace. Same thing, excuse me, in this capacity. When MLG put out a controller, a third-party controller, and they charged over $100 for it, many people thought that they were fucking crazy. And... I'll be the first to tell you that I saw that controller warm a lot of pegs for a long time. But as it turns out, the controller ended up warming pegs and warming pegs until it got discounted and you're able to pick it up for 60 or 70 bucks now versus the 100 plus price tag that it had. Now, the Elite Wireless controller, I feel, is going to go in the same direction. I feel that this controller now, because it's new, unique, and not the norm is going to be selling for $149. But six months or a year from now, I wouldn't be shocked if that controller, A, comes bundled in with systems for a, for a normal price tag, and B, is available for less than $149. As I said when Slick and I discussed it before, I personally would pay 80 bucks, even 75 I mean, the average controller is 50 to 60 I'd pay 75 or $80, but definitely not more than that. I think I think even 100 
is stretching it a bit, but 150 is insane. For a couple of bucks more, you could buy a fucking console. So with that said, it's crazy that so many people jumped on board and purchased that controller so quickly. Now, again, I know a couple of guys that have reviewed it, got some hands-on time at E3, and they felt that the controller was cool. You know, it was solid. It was. It definitely improved the experience. The customization was something that they thoroughly enjoyed. But again, for all those great things, they said to the same thing to me, which was, dude, I, 150 is fucking tough, man. 100, I could probably swing 75, 80 bucks, and I was in the same camp. And I, it's just crazy that so many people are running out there to buy it. I mean, is your experience with the normal Xbox One controller so bad that you're willing to drop $150 to improve your experience? There's dozens of third-party companies out there that put out solid controllers. Is it really that crazy that you're going out there and dropping that kind of money for a controller that, yeah, it does have a couple of features, but not enough features that warrant that $150 price tag. Again, for me, it's not something I would do, but clearly somebody's doing it. But I know that Slick and I are probably, you know, we're in agreement that they could fucking keep it for 150 bucks. If I find one used or if one happens to fall off a truck, uh, I'll pick it up. I'll gladly review it. But, um definitely not purchasing one that's for damn sure anyway before we wrap up of course call of duty is going to be in stores in about half an hour i've seen numerous people on my timeline already downloading it and um going crazy for it and you know i'll probably check it out i'm not gonna buy it but i'm sure it will find its way into my possession i know that dark helmet is very excited for fallout 4 and um, I know he's he's not the only one, that's for damn sure. And um, Slick just sent me a communique that he is in the queue. But let me bring him in real quick. Mr. Slick, what's the good word? What's up, man? I don't know, dude. Microsoft I just wanted to say one. Microsoft is clowning. I said Microsoft is clowning us, dude. <laughs> fucking $150 controller no, is actually they, selling. Honestly not because they don't have my money and they don't have your money. No, but they, they have some of your money. Well, they said they said and I quote, you know, we we both said we're like, hey, ain't nobody buying that shit, but fuck, people did." No, I knew people would buy it. I just said I wasn't buying it. I will get it when it comes with the console. Well, they actually released but a bundle that my, it comes with called the Elite Bundle. Oh, they already have one? Yeah, they have the Elite Bundle, which I believe comes with a one terabyte Xbox One and the Elite Controller. And I want to say Halo, possibly. Uh, I, I wouldn't know because Halo is not a game that's going to get me to buy uh, a um, Xbox One. Well, you know what's funny, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad you, you actually came on this week. You've, you've held out, man, quite a bit. Not grabbing an Xbox One. I, I'm thoroughly impressed with your discipline. There's nothing. There's still nothing that I can't get on PS4 that's screaming to me to buy one. I actually, I do want to. I want to want one, <laughs> but there's nothing that that says I need one. Gotcha. 
you you've been holding out, man, and they've been a lot of good deals on bundles and stuff. And I'm like, hey, maybe 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 today's the day. But um, definitely got to commend you, man. You've definitely stuck to your guns. But much like I did, and and people have heard it in past episodes, and I said it even to you. I'm like, once there's three or four games I want that'll that'll consume a bulk of my time, I'll start picking them up, and that's that's how I did it. You know, I got the Xbox One first, PS4 after. And then the Wii U last because there was there were five games I wanted to play, you know. I hear you, but there, there's not even one game that I want to play on Xbox One that I can't play on PS4. I hear you. You know the the funny thing is with the with the update that's coming out next week and the uh, announcement of backwards compatibility. I said to myself. If I can at least play all the stuff I've purchased through Xbox Live, I'd be willing to get rid of my Xbox 360 as long as I can play that shit. Like, the games, whatever. Yeah, I'd be a little bummed out that I can't play some of the games in my backlog, but I'm sure they'd become backwards compatible down the road anyway. I just was... All I said to myself was, damn, I made a pretty sizable, sizable investment between new game, you know, games I purchased that were released exclusively on Xbox Live and a fair amount of free games that I just don't want to fucking give them up, you know? Especially a lot of the fighting games. Yeah. My thing is backwards compatibility doesn't mean shit to me because first and foremost, if you are doing this in, you know, starting in the summer of 2015, that to me says that you could have done it in the the um, fall of 2013 because the console that somebody bought day one from from Microsoft is the same console that's sitting in their house right now. Right. No, I I agree 100. There's, there's nothing physically different, so you could have done it then. Why didn't you do it then? I and think I have a perfectly functional 360 sitting in my house right now, which is gathering dust. So. Backwards compatibility really doesn't mean anything because I haven't powered that thing on in over a year. Well, you know what? It's it's funny you say that. And I, here's the thing: I still have a, a fair a fair backlog of games, plus a couple of things in my GameFly queue. And um, right now, I'm still playing Xbox 360 because I'm playing um, Assassin's Creed, uh, the the last one that came out on the 360, where you play as the Templar, as Shea Cormac. So I'm still playing that, kind of chipping away at it, and it still gets turned on. Uh, my PS4 still gets turned on as well because I still got a couple of fighting games and a couple of other titles on there that need to be played. And my issue is, going back to what you said, is that the backwards compatibility should have been something that should have been a selling point from the beginning, not something that was thrown out there as a lifeline later on. Now, obviously, in Xbox and Microsoft's defense, they use, they made sure to use that as a way to kind of stick it to Sony by telling you that you don't have to pay to replay your shit on a new console. But, again, if you guys would have came out of the gate with it, people's wallets would have spoken for themselves, and they still would have bought the console with the backwards compatibility. One thing is, I just don't get how Microsoft... They, they It's like they keep putting the console on more and more crutches because, ultimately... What matters are the new games. 
And it's like the the right now, aside from Halo and stuff like that, the big game that's coming out right now is Just Cause Three, which is December first. Right. Why is it that that game looks better on PS4 than it does on on um, Xbox One? Why is it only running at 900p on that game? It's like ultimately it's not going to make a, a huge difference, but I just don't get it because Microsoft has, you know, as a computer company, more tools at their disposal. It, they, it's, it's like they just continuously want to play catch-up now when that's what Sony did last console. And it, it it worked out for Sony, but it doesn't look like it's working out for, for Microsoft because going back to the controller, yeah, there are people buying it, but this is what, what gets me. And I, I always try to think about stuff logically, especially when it comes to my money. Okay. Not everybody does. And, hey, if I ain't paying your bills, if I'm not buying your games, do whatever the hell you want to do with your money, people. But this is why, you know, even if I had an Xbox One, I wouldn't be running out to buy that controller. You're saying that this controller for $150 is so much better than the standard Xbox One controller. Now... If that controller were made by, God forbid, Mad Cats or Tori <laughs> or somebody like that, somebody right. who makes controllers and right. stuff, that would make a little bit of sense to me. Right. But the fact that it's made by the same people that make the controller that came with your console pretty much says to me that they gave you a piece of shit in the box. Well, I here's the thing, and, and this is how I see it. When you look at the controller for the Xbox One, it has its fair share of detractors, but that's also because all of us have a a particular gold standard when it comes to controllers. I know guys that say, that have said to me, when I go, hey, what's the best controller you've ever used? And they still swear by the Super Nintendo controller. Still, to this day, others feel that, you know, the original, the original DualShock, or the DualShock 2 were, were the gold standard. Others feel that, you know, the, the, the Sega Genesis six-button controller was the perfect, you know, design and, and execution. And everybody has their own preference. The thing that gets me is that if Microsoft said, let's say last year, hey, we're going we're gonna re- to revolutionize our controller and change it. You shouldn't make people have to pay a premium if you're evolving it forward. You get what I'm saying? Right. You should it just should say be, this is the new controller replacing the controller. Right. It's going to be 59.99 or maybe 64.99 and that's it. Well, dude, even if you wanted, you know, because obviously there's all the magnets and all the stuff to change all the different key all the different controller configurations and I understand that. And I understand that there's more work that goes into it. I, I don't take that away from Microsoft. But, again, if you would have said, you, you know, you said $65, like I said, 75 even 80 because of all the little fucking things that you can swap out. You can change out the D-pads. You can change the positions of the analog sticks, et cetera, et cetera. You know, stuff, stuff like that costs money, and, and stuff like that can get lost easily. So make people pay a little bit more so that they value it a little bit more. That's all I'm saying. I would have paid 80 bucks for it, dude, because I like that. I liked what they did with the changing of the D-pad and the dish, you know, the little dish-style controller. 
I think that would have worked for my fucking big ass fucking sausage fingers or, you know, the, the configuration of the triggers. I think that would have worked, especially for driving games or first person shooters. But again, 80 bucks for, for, uh, for a couple of dollars more. Like I said, you can buy a fucking console. Hell, Dude, you, could, even better idea. you could buy a pro Street Fighter joystick for that much money. Exactly. That's why I brought up companies like Madcats and Hori. Right. But I got an even better idea that Microsoft could have used that wouldn't piss off anybody. Shoot, I'm all ears. Here's our new Elite controller. It's fifty nine ninety nine. You get it as is. If you want to change the triggers or the sticks or the buttons, you can. Let's go the Amiibo route with it. Oh, shit. Here's the trigger (laughs) set. Here's the stick set. Here's the button set. True. $19.99. And let people buy what they think they need to, 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 you know, buy. You know what I think? Even if they sold the controller for $150 with all the shit, and gave you the option to do what I just said otherwise. Or, here's here's a crazy idea to get foot traffic. Anybody that's interested in purchasing the controller for the $149 price tag can visit their local Microsoft store and bring in their Xbox One original controller and save 50 bucks. Fantastic. Dude, because it's not like the controllers are going to be bad anyway. They have to be original, first-party Xbox One controllers. You know, Microsoft will fucking refurbish them, resell them, and that'll be it. Has to be in full working. Has to be in full working condition. That's it. I, I dude, I would have been in there. I mean, I have, I have three, three Xbox One controllers, and I would have, I would have walked in and traded mine. It would have been my controller. You know, like that's, you know, how it goes in your house. You got controllers for the guests, and then you have yours that you don't give up. Ever. I'm kind of shocked that, that Sony didn't pull that bullshit. I mean, it's, it's, I, I hate to say it's bullshit for, even for Microsoft, but it's how I feel. But just because of the fact that for the DualShock 4, the triggers actually do suck on that controller. As much as I like the controller, the triggers suck. But the spring fucking breaks. I have two DualShock 4s. The same trigger broke on both of them. And if you look online, just about everybody that has a PS4 that's had it for more than a year has a DualShock 4 with the right trigger because, you know, you squeeze that more than anything else. It's fucking broken. Knock on wood, it's mine is still kinda good. It's kind of easy to fix because if you take the spring out, it works. Right. But the same trigger breaks. It is the same problem with every controller, and they haven't done anything to rectify this. Well, there you go. I mean... Like I said, I the, the controller's definitely on my radar. If they do some sort of promotion for Black Friday or something where you can pick it up, I will I will make sure to, you know, I'll make sure to to hop on that immediately only because you know, I think the controller for me there's certain level there's certain customization I would not mind, you know, like like changing the way the buttons are laid out or maybe adding some sub triggers, especially for me when I I assign buttons on the on the L1 and you know left bumper and L1 you know especially if you're trying to do like a like a fireball like a slow fireball with a jab I put my jab buttons in that top in that top left corner 
because I don't use them often. And because of that, it's like... I think the actual Elite controller is a fantastic idea. It's just that that price point makes me say, fuck you. Right, but uh, that and the fact that it's like, you know, we'll stick Elite in front of it, even though it's just, you know, a better version of a controller that we're packing in to the fucking system. Like, you can buy the shit in a bundle. I said to myself, I'm like, shit, I should... I said to myself, shit, I should fucking... St- trade in my, my, my Xbox and the controller and get the Elite bundle just to get that. But then I was like, do, do I really want to go through the aggravation? No. The answer is no. That's the problem. Anything else you wanted to add, my friend? I wanted to ask you, is there any? I mean, aside from what we just talked about, is there anything in particular you're looking for or hoping for for Black Friday? Um, you know what? I'll I'll be honest. Black Friday for me, and you know this better than most because you you know me off air, is the fact that most times the shit that I want for Black Friday, I can stroll my ass in there at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and the shit is still there. So with regards to games, I'm curious. I'm curious to see what they drop and how and how drastic it is but most of the stuff that'll probably be on my radar is stuff i probably am already playing unless they release you know like a game of the year edition of a certain game or something like that or maybe i'm trying to uh, fill up a back catalog of stuff for you know the ps3 or the 360 especially if it's fighting games you know i'll pick them up if they're not being remastered for for the new consoles you know i'll definitely pick them up but my bigger my bigger vice for Black Friday as of late is Blu-rays and and certain and certain pieces of gear. I mean, right now, you know, I'm I'm making so I'm going to be making some improvements to you know the MTR rig, and there's certain things I'm keeping an eye on, uh, monitors, uh, video cameras, certain things. So that's that's more on my radar. Not so much games this time around, only because. At this stage of the game, dude, it's it, it, they'll, they'll do a dozen sales before Black Friday. Hell, I think wasn't it last year? You may remember this. Was it Target that was buying buy two games get one free right before Black Friday, like yeah, the fucking week before? Yeah, Target sale is this coming week for buy two get one free. L- look at that! Look at that shit. <laughs> you see what I mean? So it's like you're, we're gonna get the stuff one way or the other. Hell. I, if it's stuff that's buy two get one free, I'd pick it up and put the shit on eBay, and or or hold on to it. If I if I knew that it was being dropped in price on Black Friday, dead ass, I would do that. I um no, I figured I would ask since this would be our last show before Black Friday. Well, you Me know, personally, I, I'm hoping for a sale. On the um, the new 3ds because I, I still haven't picked one up because ah okay you know the price tag yeah if there's a sale on that I'll definitely get that probably try to sell my old 3ds XL I um if there's any sales on DualShock controllers that's just decent like <laughs> it's just like thirty bucks I might pick up some new ones nice because like I said the trigger yep um. <laughs> pretty good with games right now just like you were saying because the one game i really want i'm actually hoping we get a review copy but that's a different story that's just cause three 
And um, just like you, I'm hoping for movies because there was a set that came out in September for um, the Full Metal Alchemist series. Right. Which, for any fans of the, of the show, it's ridiculous with the stuff they put in there. Like, they put in a whole book of alchemy and all kinds of shit like that. And the set, which includes the entire show, is like $220. Jeez. If I could score that for, like, at least, I don't know, like 150 that would be something. Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, And here's the other thing, too, and I'm curious about. how What are they going to do with regards to the Gamers Club? Are you going to knock off 20% of the games that are $15 on Black Friday? I'm curious. Yes, they will. Because remember, I, I had told you that one time I picked up that piece of shit game, Escape Dead Island. Oh, right, right, right. That game came out, I think, at thirty nine ninety nine for the PS3. Right. I found it when I when I picked up Godzilla back in July. I found it in there brand new for nine ninety nine, and with tax, wound up paying like eight bucks. That's so yeah, they they will they you do get the they the official thing says you only get twenty percent off of disc based games. You know, like not digital games, but only right. on new. But you get you get twenty percent off of everything. Shit, I'll, I'll take that. What they need to do is what you said uh, the week prior and is extend that into accessories. Yeah, actually, I mean, if it's cause especially with the controllers, but yep. they don't look like they're going to do that. I, I got to ask, when you picked up the uh, the PS4, did you buy the camera with it too? Yeah. You did. Do you use it? I'm curious. I use it. I mean, I I played the stupid Playroom game, and it was fun. Plus, um, it gives you voice commands, and if you don't have a decent headset, it gives you headset capabilities. Depending upon, you know, how good somebody else's headset is determines how well they hear you, because if you're across the room, some people say you sound like you're far away. Some people hear me fine. And um, it has some of the, the functionality that the Xbox One does, like... I can say PlayStation, Grand Theft Auto, and they'll start Grand Theft Auto 5, some some shit like that. Gotcha. I, w- I was curious only because there have been a couple of times when they put it on sale. And I was like, ah, maybe I should pick it up. And then I'm like, do I really need it? I mean, you know, between the, the Wii U bar and the Connect from the 360 and the Connect from the Xbox, it's like, how many fucking cameras do I need? <laughs> but I figured I would ask. Well, you don't need it, but it's it's... It can be fun, especially, like, if you're the type of person that has people over and stuff. Like, you can play games like your playroom because you can't play it without it. But gotcha. it, it, it has some cool functionality. I'm going to see you it. get it for, like, 20 bucks. Yeah. I would get it. Yeah, if it was, like, 20 bucks, I may. I'm hoping that they do, a, a you know, some, some good deals on a couple of uh, Wii U titles. That I've been wanting to pick up. I mean, the bulk of my time is spent playing Splatoon anyway, but um, there's a couple of titles I want to pick up. We um, we picked up, I believe, Le- uh, my wife picked up Lego Marvel Superheroes for the PlayStation Four because she likes the Lego superhero games. I think we paid ten bucks for it. Dude, that game is fantastic. I yeah, told you about it, didn't I? Yeah, you mentioned it to me, but she she played it in the store and forget it. <laughs> so. So she she picked it up for that. 10 bucks. Like, I, I can't wait for the Avengers game to come out. Yeah, that looks it definitely looks incredibly promising. That's for damn sure. The Avengers game covers six of the movies in in um, 
between phase one and two. Speaking of phase two, and and I'll 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 mention this before we go into the entertainment segment. You know, I I saw I mentioned the box set during the uh, the gaming and entertainment show I put up on Halloween, and somebody sent me some actual pictures of it, and I said to myself, I really don't want to buy this thing, but it does look fucking cool. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they always get you, like, they're still trying to get people to buy that Phase 1 set. Well, the Phase 1 set, I, I, I screwed up, and they had a really good deal on it about six months ago. And I go, damn, I should have bought it. It was, I think it was like a 100 bucks. And I just, I don't know if it was because I hadn't got paid, or I didn't have the money, and I was like, shit! Because for a $100, dude, that would have been, I would have bought it. Because the briefcase and the big glowing tesseract would have been would have done it for me. But check this out, because I mean I, I know we'll probably get both of you playing it. Because that's the one thing that's great about the Lego games is the co-op. The the next game covers both Avengers movies, right? It covers um, both Captain America movies, right? Iron Man three and Thor: The Dark World. Nice. And you know it's gonna have way more than just like the characters from those movies. I think Absolutely. they said there's over a hundred there's over a hundred playable characters because the last one, hell, I I forget how many characters they had, but like the, the character list these are just like little Lego circles you see on the screen. It fills the screen. Nice. And speaking of Wii U games, because um, you were saying you were looking for some titles, I picked up Deus Ex Human Revolution because the, the new game coming out next year is is um interesting me with the story and everything. Right. I picked that up for Wii U for fourteen bucks, the the director's cut. Nice. Definitely but not that's a bad on pickup. Amazon. I don't think they have it on I don't think they have that on Best Buy. Yeah, I mean for fighting games I picked up the the most recent Blaze Blue for thirty bucks. I have a love hate relationship with that so game. Then, that's why I didn't buy it. <laughs> I really do. I don't know. Maybe it's just too. Maybe it's too anime for me. Usually get all of them. I know, but maybe it's too anime for How me. How is it too, dude? No, no. Hold on. Hold on. I'm gonna go up your ass on that one. And sorry, that sounds really fucked yeah, up. Yeah. Pause. Too anime for you. You just picked up Dengeki Bunko. Correction. That shit has characters in Sword on Sword Art Online and shit. I didn't pick that up. That that made its way into my inbox for work. The difference. Ah, that's gotcha. that. That wasn't a conscious purchase. That was an assignment. That's a little different. <laughs> well, if it winds up being too anime for you, you know where to throw it. There you go. That's 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 all it was. It was just you know, it, it like Guilty Gear. I love Guilty Gear. Guilty Gear is one of my favorite games. And I'm like, oh, Blaze Blue, I'll like it just as much. And I just I just couldn't do it. I've tried on new. I, I you know what else I couldn't do? Even though it's a, it's a it's an awesome game. I couldn't get into JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is understandable because that story is fucking insane. But they just the game, not even the story. I just couldn't get into it. It didn't. It didn't reach out and go, "Hey, you should be playing me on a regular basis." You know. You don't want to throw. You don't want to throw a steamroller at somebody. No, no, I don't. It just. It just doesn't. It doesn't connect, bro. It just doesn't connect. It's my. No, it's, I love that game too. Yeah, I mean, you know, right now it's it's you know Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Dead or Alive, especially since I picked up Dead or Alive on Xbox One. Uh, definitely loving that. Um, I really would like to see a brand new Did Virtual you pick Fighter. Up the, the last 
Uh, you know what? I remember you had picked it up, and I was waiting for a deal on it. I have it in my Amazon wish list, but it's still too expensive. So I'm waiting for it to drop before I pick it up. Gotcha. Definitely, definitely up there. Not, not that I wouldn't pay the money, but it's not something I have to do. You know. Check your wish list, wish list though, because Amazon, when their prices change, it's just crazy. Because that that Blaze Blue game I told you I picked up. I had the um, the limited edition for PS3 on my wish list, which it it listed originally for eighty bucks. It right. was down to like forty nine ninety nine. But then, as I was gonna get it, I saw that they had put it out for PS4. So I was like, "Why would I get the PS3 version?" Right. And it was forty nine ninety nine for PS4. I was like, "I'll leave it on my wish list because fuck this. I'm not gonna pay fifty bucks for a game that's like thirty or twenty on the PS3." Makes sense. The day after I put it on my wish list, it dropped twenty nine ninety nine. That's pretty crazy. That's why I picked it up last week. No, I get what you're saying. Pretty, it's pre- I mean, you know, like I said, it's definitely on my wish list. But I got such a backlog of stuff, dude, that even if I bought it, it would be a disservice to keep it in plastic. I'm hoping. I'm hoping during my uh, my uh, forced vacation over the next couple of weeks, I can actually get some streaming and shit done. I'm going to try to record some video and put it up on our YouTube channel. Well, we got the tools for it, so you know where to send it. Gotcha. Anything else you want to add, my friend? Uh, Not for gaming. All right, brother. As always, thank you for the assist. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you later. Peace. All right. Let us switch gears and jump into some entertainment news for this week. Quite a couple of things on deck. As always, if you want to participate, mtrlive.com for the chat, or you can call us 347-324-3541. Again, that call number 347-324-3541. All right, let's switch gears and talk some movies, shall we? I want to open things up with the box office totals from this past weekend. Again, it was a, a not, well, let me rephrase that. It was not a good weekend for new films at the box office. Established movies that were in the box office definitely did see a bit of a bump, including The Martian, which took the number one slot once again with an additional $11.4 million, bringing its grand total to $182.8 million. The Goosebumps film took the number two slot. Bridge of Spies took number three. Hotel Transylvania was four. Burnt was number five. The Last Witch Hunter still in there at the number six slot. Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension was seven. Our Brand is Crisis is eight. Crimson Peak was nine. And Steve Jobs was number ten. Nonetheless, you know for a fact that Spectre is probably going to take the number one slot and the Charlie Brown movie is going to take the number two. But given some of the mixed commentary I've been hearing about Spectre, I wouldn't be shocked if Charlie Brown took number one and Spectre took number two. But in any case, I will be checking out Spectre this weekend and will be reviewing it, uh, whether I choose to do it via the Minority Film Report or written on the site remains to be seen. But I will be reviewing the film. That's for damn sure. 
Anyway, I'm curious to see if 007's response from the general public is the same as most of the critics in the sense that a lot of critics felt that this was the weakest entry in the franchise and some people felt that Daniel Craig sabotaged the movie in terms of just all the negative press that he was generating. I don't think that's the case. I think that people walk in with a certain expectation and maybe the the, the film just didn't have as good of a plot as the previous. I feel that out of all the Daniel Craig Bond movies so far, the weakest film was Quantum of Solace. Casino Royale and Skyfall remain the gold standard in terms of not only great action, amazing cinematography, but also just an incredible story. That's not to say that Spectre is not going to be as good, but when you're coming off of the success of of Skyfall, that's a very, very big, it's, you know, it's big expectations that you have to live up to. Again, I'm going to judge for myself. I'll check it out this weekend. And of course, Keep it locked to RageWorks.net for that review. On the TV side of things, TV Line is reporting that CBS is going to be doing a brand new Star Trek TV series, but it is not going to be on broadcast television. Instead, episodes of this brand new Star Trek series will premiere on CBS All Access, which is a service that is currently available for $5.99 a month, and currently hosts the original Star Trek TV series. Now, most people are saying that this is just a cheap ploy by CBS to get people to to jump on their service, but I'm curious to see if people are going to follow, other networks are going to follow suit, like Netflix and others creating their own programming and locking it behind a paywall. For me personally, I don't feel that broadcast television is at a stage where it can compete with cable on equal footing. That's not to say that the current shows on broadcast television are not good. There are a pretty fair amount of solid shows out there. Um, shows like The Blacklist, uh, Blind Spot, The Player, um, Gotham, of course, Supergirl, The Flash, Green Arrow, uh, Constantine when it was on, Hannibal. All great shows on broadcast television, but the level of investment and the amount of of freedoms that you can get away with creatively or just better on cable. This is why companies like AMC and FX and Showtime and Stars and HBO are running away with all these accolades and new players like Netflix and Amazon are stepping in and creating engaging programming because there's a level of creativity and a level of freedom that broadcast television cannot harness. And if they think that by hiding an established property behind a paywall is going to do them any favors, I, I feel that eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to do them more harm than good. And yes, yeah, Slick, I heard that the player might be getting canceled. I know that they ordered, they cut the episodes that they ordered by a, by a couple. But um, we'll see. I mean, it may just go for a shorter season. I feel that the player with Wesley Snipes would have worked better on like TNT or TBS or even, uh, you know, one of the more premium cable channels. I just feel that NBC is not giving the show or you definitely USA. Thank you. Uh, definitely USA. I feel that the, that the network isn't giving them a fair shake and they're in a fucking really, really competitive time slot. So we'll see what happens. That's for damn sure. But in any case, as much as I like star Trek trying to, trying to hide it behind a paywall, 
it, like I said, is going to do more harm than good. Dark Helmet says everything hidden behind a paywall becomes free eventually. This is true, but are you really going to is it really worth the hassle of trying to consume content by by nefarious means just because the company feels that hiding it behind a paywall is going to make more people sign up? If you want to make somebody sign up for a service, you make that service good and you make the benefits of being a paid subscriber infinitely better than being somebody who gets the content for free. I mean, I know people that subscribe to Pandora primarily because they like the assortment of music and they hate the fucking commercials. Me, personally, I don't use Pandora that much to warrant me having to pay for it, but I have found myself using Spotify more. So I've been deliberating if I'm going to pay for Spotify versus using the free version only because... I listen to a lot more music via that service. But again, the benefits are far more if you're if you're really using that service. If you're going to start using CBS All Access to hide old shows and then throw the occasional new show on there, it's it's not the same. It's different if you were HBO that puts out stuff and then releases it on HBO Go or if you wanted to eliminate cut the cord and do HBO Now and you excuse me, you paid the premium, you're still getting the same benefit. But for those of us that use, you know, that use some of these other services like Hulu, I never understood why if people are paying for Hulu, they still have to see commercials. It, it boggles my fucking mind. Now, obviously, the wealth of programming that's on there is solid enough that they got a fair amount of traction, but I never understood if I'm paying for it, why I should still see commercials. I don't understand it. That's one of the reasons why I never signed up. I mean, even when I did the trial for Sling TV for the El Rey network, I said to myself, you know, I'd pay for this if there were a couple of other channels that I could check out outside of the El Rey network. Hell, if the El Rey network was on Fios, my current cable provider, and I had to pay an extra five bucks on my bill to watch it, I would because I realized that the El Rey network gives a lot of shit that I watch. And that's one of the things that, you know, I'm a little, when I, um, I recently had files come by to uh, make some improvements to my, my internet here at the house. And, uh, you know, I, I was talking about the fact that, you know, certain channels I'd love, I'd love to see them. And it was funny because the, in, the installer, he knew the El Rey network and he said he used it to watch, which was funny, to watch Lucha Underground. And I said, damn, you know, I watch it too, but I ended up watching it in Spanish. And, you know, we talked a little bit about that. And like I said, you know, if, if they said, hey, we're going to go on Fios for five bucks a month or three dollars extra on your bill, I'd pay it because I realized that I watched almost all the programming on that network. I watched all the Kung Fu movies, all the action movies they gave, Lucha Underground, of course, and some of their original programming as well, including from Dust Till Dawn, the TV series, which if you haven't watched it, I believe you can watch it on Netflix. It's pretty fucking solid. That's for damn sure. But in any case, not a fan of hiding this brand new Star Trek series behind a $6 CBS All Access app. That's just me. Another show that is taking its ball and heading off broadcast television to Netflix, you guys won't even believe this, is Power Rangers. Uh, Power Rangers has been on air for 22 years, and its most recent series, uh, Samurai, Megaforce, and Dino Charge, have been airing on Nickelodeon since 2003, 
when Saban announced a partner a partnership with the network and Bandai America throughout next year. Now, the upcoming 24th season, which is Power Rangers Shuriken, is based off um, the Shuriken Sentai uh, series, which has been airing in Japan. But um, it looks like this new series is heading to Netflix in 2017, and it's going to have 32 episodes. Of course, every Power Rangers season thus far is streaming on Netflix as well, so you can watch all those old series. But it's crazy that an established uh, an established series like Power Rangers, which, again, has been on air for 22 years, is taking its ball and heading to Netflix. Now, the beauty of that is, obviously, that you can consume the entire series in, in a binge-watch session. I'm not going to lie. I still, I still watch the occasional episode of Power Rangers because it's a guilty pleasure. I do watch it. Um, not a fan of... Uh, I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of the Dino Charge series. I felt that the best one out of the new crop thus far was Megaforce, but um, that's that's a conversation for a separate episode. Nonetheless, Power Rangers is heading to Netflix exclusively in 2017 with a 32-episode run. I have a nagging suspicion that this won't be the only show that we'll be hearing is heading to Netflix or to another service, just because... Like I said, the creative freedom is just better and the opportunities and the acceptance plus the, the, the reach of a demographic that genuinely gives a shit is there as well. In some other small screen news, it looks like sci-fi is going to try and bring the character of Van Helsing to their network with a series focusing on a female Van Helsing, that being Van Helsing's daughter, Vanessa. Sci-Fi acquired the rights to this series, which is a 13-episode drama, which is scheduled to begin production in 2016, with an expected debut date of fall 2016. So, Van Helsing is heading to the small screen, and um, I'm curious to see what Sci-Fi does with that. Sci-Fi has definitely been surprising me as of late with a lot of their shows. I did watch a couple episodes of Haven. And even Z Nation I watch once in a while, even though it's really not that good. But I'm willing to definitely check it out. I've always liked, I've always been a fan of vampire films. And, um, you know, I think that maybe from a small screen perspective, we may get a better interpretation of Van Helsing. I'm not saying that it's going to be great considering sci-fi's limited budget, but I am definitely willing to check it out couple of months back, I did mention a brand new interpretation of the $6 million man, now titled the $6 billion man, which was going to have Mark Wahlberg in the lead role. Well, things have been quiet since I actually discussed that story on air, but earlier this week, it was announced that they are releasing the film in theaters uh, sometime in 26, uh, actually, uh, was it 2016? Uh, nope, 2017. Let me rephrase that. I apologize. Uh, December 22nd, 2017 is the release date for the $6 billion man with Mark Wahlberg in the lead role. Again, I'm curious to see what they do with that. We've already seen reboots of some other properties have been hit or miss. Uh, the Charlie's Angels series being one that was fairly successful on the big screen. Transformers being another gem. Not so much. So I'm curious to see what Wahlberg brings to the table with the $6 billion man. I'm sure it's going to be 
over the top in a lot of ways, but I'm curious to see how they implement a lot of the effects and, and a lot of the abilities that he had in the series. Obviously, with the advances in special effects, we're going to see a lot more crazy stuff on screen, but um, there is a release date now, December 22nd, 2017. For those of you that are fans of Idris Elba's Luther TV series, I am happy to report that Luther Season 4 special will be airing on BBC America December 17th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, If you haven't watched the Luther series with Idris Elba, please go on Netflix and check it out. It is tremendous, uh, really solid series, uh, really, really great acting from Idris Elba. He actually really blew me away with his uh, recent film, Beasts of No Nation, which is on Netflix. Definitely recommend you check that out as well. It is a, a really, really crazy movie that um, you, you got to check it out. I'm, I would do a disservice telling you that you should watch it without just saying watch the trailer. I believe that tr- I thought I had the trailer on the site. Uh, ah, no, I was going to publish the trailer on the site and then I lost track of time and it would have been way too late to publish it. Uh, Slick, can you do me a favor can you find the trailer for Beasts of No Nation with Idris Elba and drop it in the chat room for me? I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. Next week, of course, many people are counting down. Well, let me rephrase that. We're still roughly two weeks away from the Who is Jessica Jones or Jessica Jones series, which debuts on Netflix. But a lot of people have already been saying that from initial episodes that they've had access to that Jessica Jones is shaping up to be good, if not better than Netflix's daredevil series. I personally will tread, will tread cautiously with that, but um, I've heard good things. I, I wasn't really a fan of the casting with Kristen Ritter, but the trailers have definitely changed my opinion and I am counting down to November 20th so I can check it out and give you guys an honest opinion. Nonetheless, as a result of this, there's been a couple of changes. Uh, Right now, it looks like there is a possibility that the Iron Fist series may actually be made into a movie that is going to be released on Netflix. And instead of giving us the Iron Fist series, we instead would get a series for The Punisher, which, of course, many people would definitely be excited for. You know what it is? I'd like to see Iron Fist on on in some capacity i think he's a very a very compelling character do i think that a television series for his character is enough not sure do i think that a movie can can encompass every aspect of the iron fist the iron fist mythology effectively not sure but i'll be honest i would probably watch a punisher tv series or a blade tv series on netflix versus an Iron Fist series unless they did a really, really, really good job with the storytelling. I got to be honest. I wasn't shocked when they said that they were going to shelve it in favor of the Punisher, but I'm, you know, I'm definitely, it's not something that's really, really blowing my mind because like I said, it's, it's a very, a very deep character that you have to try and do justice for and I don't think that a weekly a weekly series may work for Iron Fist. Introducing him as a character in an existing series and maybe a movie might be the better might be the better course of action. But I definitely don't think um, 
that losing the Iron Fist TV series is totally terrible. Like I said, I'm willing to check out a Punisher TV series a lot more than I would sit through an Iron Fist series. Again, that's just me. In some other news, and I'm sure Slick is going to be excited about this, The Witcher, of course, which has been killing it on consoles as of late, appears to be heading to the big screen uh, probably in 2017. Of course, it's going to pull out stories from The Witcher and Lesser Evils. And um, right now it looks like they're starting to put together casting and production to get the movie in theaters sometime in 2017. Once we get some casting updates and some other news, you know I will hit you guys with that first. Uh, very, very interested in seeing how they can bring that series to life, only because the games are nothing. Everybody says really good things about the game. Our very own Slick as well has said nothing but good things about the Witcher game and the Witcher series. So I'm curious about how they're going to bring that to life on the big screen. I'm definitely going to be watching that with much interest. Again, once I hear any news with regards to production or casting, I will definitely let you guys know. All right. So that is going to wrap up our entertainment segment for this week. And with that, we're actually going to wrap up the show for this week as well. I've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment this week. I would definitely love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out via social media on Twitter. You can find us at My Take Radio or you can find us at Rage underscore Works. If you're a Facebook user, look for Rage Works on Facebook. You can also join our Facebook group, which, of course, has all our listeners and readers in one nice little place for everybody to hang out and talk shop about all the stuff we cover on air plus some other stuff as well. If you're not into Facebook or Twitter, you can find us on Google+, Pinterest, and you can find us on Instagram as well. You can follow me there, Rageworks underscore Rich. Um, Also, you can find archived episodes of this show and any others on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rageworks. You can also look for Rageworks on Daily Motion as well, even though on Daily Motion it's a little harder to get the episodes up because they got some very, very strict storage requirements. But nonetheless, you can find episodes, including this one, on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rage Works. On the audio side of things, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. But of course, if you want audio and video all in one place, head over to RageWorks.net, and you can find our episodes there as well. Now, if you want MTR to go and you want access to all of our original content before it gets released to the general public, pick up the official My Take Radio app. It's $1.99, available for Android, iOS, and Windows mobile devices. For Android, you can find it in the Amazon Marketplace. For iOS, of course, you're heading to iTunes. And for Windows devices, both desktop and mobile, you are heading to the Microsoft Store for that. All right, with that said... I want to thank you guys for your continued support. We got 325 episodes in the books. As I said at the top of the broadcast, if you missed it, uh, this will be the last episode for the month of November. We're going to take a couple of weeks off, but we will continue putting out content via all our other outlets. As always, if you have any questions or concerns, feel free to hit us up either via social media or drop me a line via email, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. 
Thank you guys for joining me for this episode of MTR. We'll see you guys in December. I am out of here. Peace. I'm rich, bitch! Everything, everything, that's all, folks!